welcome to the University of Minnesota Swine Extension podcast series. Today's podcast is a discussion on African swine fever. My name is Sarah Sheik, and I'm a swine extension educator with the University of Minnesota. Joining me today is Gustavo Lopez, who is a PhD student in veterinary medicine at the University of Minnesota. He's had firsthand experience with African swine fever while working in Russia for six years. So I invited him to talk this morning about African swine fever. To get us started today, Gustavo, will you tell us about yourself, including who you are working with? Uh, good morning, Sarah. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Um, so I am originally from Venezuela, where I obtained my DVM. I lived for six years in Russia, working for the largest meat integrator company and the second largest pork producer in the country. During these six years, I had different roles in the production company as a head of health services, head of genetic services, and I had the misfortune of dealing with ASF a couple of times and living on an ASF environment. And after that, I came to the University of Minnesota. I'm in my second year of the PhD in veterinary medicine, and currently I'm working with Dr. Monse Torre-Morel on the epidemiology and control of influenza virus. And we're certainly glad to have you as a student with us because, yeah, with your firsthand experience with African swine fever, um, we can learn a lot from you. So can you expound a little bit more on your experience with African swine fever? When I arrived to Russia in 2010, ASF had already been in the country since 2007. The virus entered in the south of Russia in the Caucasus area from Madagascar. And it was, uh, but it was mainly wild boar and smokyard operations with low biosecurity. The country had several regulations in terms of pig movements between farms to try to contain the disease. But from 2010 to 2014, I didn't actually see the disease. I, most of the time I was just living in an ASF environment with all the restrictions of movement, the testings, and anything that went with it. In 2014, we had the first outbreak in one of our farms, and we could not detect it soon enough to avoid uh, a movement of infected pigs to a second farm. So it ended up being two outbreaks uh, that happened one after the other. Uh, this outbreak was eventually eradicated. It took a lot of effort. Uh, we went like two years and a half without any ASF events until the end of 2016. We had a second outbreak in another one of our farms in a different location. But this time we had already a timely detection. We had, after the first outbreak, we learned a lot and we put in place a lot of uh, control measures that actually allow us this time to detect it on time. And we managed to contain the disease to one farm. And since then, the company has not suffered any ASF outbreaks. Great. That was comforting to know your experience in that for four years, the farm was able to keep out um, the virus. And then with the second outbreak that you were able to contain it with that one farm. Very comforting. What is African swine fever and how does it affect pigs? ASF is a disease caused by the African swine fever virus. It is probably one of the worst, if not the worst, disease that can affect pigs. ASF is a large and highly resistant virus. It replicates mainly in the immune cells of the infected pig. 
it can cause a very diverse set of clinical signs, which makes its diagnosis confusing. It's a hemorrhagic disease, meaning there's blood everywhere, through the nose, through the feces. Uh, it can result in high mortality that can get up to 100%, but there are also cases where the mortality stays within 10 to 30%, and these are the dangerous ones because it takes a while to actually detect the disease. And this is the ones that I'm more familiar with, the two cases that I had in Russia were of the lower mortality, which is actually they're the most dangerous ones because by the time you realize you have the disease, it's already too late and you've moved animals to other farms and you've moved in the disease. Uh, ASF is a reportable disease to the World Organization of Animal Health and it affects trade. This limits the access to external markets for the infected countries. Or fortunately, there's no effective vaccines uh, against ASF still. And you noted with the first outbreak at the farm, it took a while. So are some of the signs similar to other common swine diseases that we have in the industry? Yes, correct. There, actually, none of the clinical signs that you will see with ASF are specific for ASF. They can be easily confused with diseases like erysipelas, high pathogenic PERS, Salmonella, which are diseases that are important, but they're not rare in a swine uh, in a swine farm. So it also can resemble CSF, which is classical swine fever, but this is also a reportable disease. So, but I will I will say that it's most confused with Erysipela, Salmonella, and high pathogenic PERS. Thanks. Can African swine fever affect people or other animals, or is it mostly just pigs? ASF is not a zoonotic uh, disease, meaning it does not affect humans in any way. Uh, it, it infects domestic and wild pigs only. Uh, there, there are three types of wild suet in Africa that are asymptomatic carriers of the virus, meaning they show no evidence of the virus. These are like the, the warthog. They get infected through the tick very early when they're in the burrows from their mom. The tick feeds on the mom, gets the virus, bites the, the warthog, infects him, and they just became carriers for life. And these are the ones that are facilitating the movement of the virus throughout Africa. Gustavo, you mentioned a, a tick plays a role, especially with the wild um, warthogs. Can you explain, is there a certain type of tick that is a carrier of ASF? Yes, it's a soft tick, the Ornithodorus species. They are the, the main ones that are being demonstrated in Africa to transmit the virus from uh, the mom to the piglets in the burrows. Um, but this route of infection hasn't been demonstrated in Europe or Eastern Europe so far. Thank you for expounding on that. So getting back to typical signs of African swine fever in pigs, can you tell us what are some of those typical signs we might see in pigs affected by African swine fever? Well, like I mentioned before, they're not specific for ASF, but what's been consistent and what we found in, more, in the multiple ASF outbreaks in Russia is of course fever is the main one, uh, 104 to 108 uh, Fahrenheit degrees, 
hemorrhagic lesions all across the body, but mainly in the ears and the legs. This could be big spots or could be even small purple color marks all over the body, which resemble the, the lesions caused by erysipelas. There is a sudden rise of mortality, uh, but it's not always and it's not immediate. It can happen for us, it was two, three weeks after the introduction of the virus. So by the time you see this, that rise in mortality, the disease might be in the farm already for a couple of weeks. You see bloody diarrhea, bloody nasal discharges, so blood everywhere. Causes respiratory distress. The, the pigs have a hard time breathing because the, the lungs are filled with fluids trying to uh, fight the disease. And at necropsy, basically, you see hemorrhages in many organs. The, the kidneys and the spleen seem to be the main ones that you can see red spots on it. Um, but other than that, there's nothing specific of ASF. Thank you for explaining those signs. Now, can you tell us how is it spread? This is a critical part. Uh, there's multiple routes of infection. The virus is excreted by infected animals in high quantities. The virus is highly resistant to a wide variety of conditions, such as temperature and pH, that other viruses might die or be inactivated. ASF so, you know, survives it and it can persist in contaminated meat from one to three years. So that's what makes this virus so challenging. And uh, the routes of infection, well, you have the direct contact between infected, uh, infected and susceptible pigs. This is an important route for small backyard operations with low biosecurity, like countries like Romania, even some parts in Russia some years ago. An infected boar usually just has direct contact with a naive domestic pig because there's really not a barrier between the backyard and the, and the forest. Contact with infected trucks, fomites, and people. This is the main route of entry uh, of ASF in Russian operations. Yeah, when outbreaks are not declared, so the producers, small operation, 100 to 100 animals, prefers to sell the animals to a packing plant instead of reporting the disease. Uh, the, the trucks that he uses to move these animals are not properly disinfected and washed, meaning that the virus can persist in, in the truck and be infected. And then that truck, the following week, can be in another operations, in another farm, moving pigs, and it's just a matter of an opera a farm person not following by security rules, stepping in and out of the truck and bringing the virus in. Another route will be consumption of contaminated meat from an infected pig. This is common route for countries where they're doing swill feeding and or wild boars that have access to garbage, very common in Southeast Asia. Uh, so like I explained before, the, the virus remains infected in, in the meat for one to three years. So all it takes is that meat to get into the garbage and a wild boar to just destroy the bag where it's contain, eat it all, and then he gets infected, he walks around, travels, infects other wild boars, and the disease is just out of control, and that's what's happening right now. There's also the route of the feed. Studies have shown uh, how the survivability of ASF virus and different raw ingredients at different conditions. So feed meals can become contaminated due to the, the source of the raw materials. These studies are kind of new, like a year, maybe less than a year ago. The, the Python Group, Kansas University has released a couple of studies very interesting about the, this route of infection. 
there are also studies where they've shown that flies and other bloodborne insects are considered uh, important, okay, but more of a mechanical uh, transmission of the virus. And the salvatic route uh, through the tick, like I explained before, but I put it, this at the last because this is a route that has been described mainly in Africa. So the tick feeds on the infected warthog and the virus stays alive inside of the tick for long periods until the tick feeds on a domestic pig and then infects it. Thank you for explaining all those different routes of transmission. That's great. And also um, by listening to you list all those different ways that a pig can get infected, a great reminder of why biosecurity is so important um, and not just of entry into buildings, but thinking of transportation, feed biosecurity, as well as um, you know entry and exit of facilities as well. So thank you. How will African swine fever affect pork producers if it were to enter the U.S.? The biggest impact, it will be on the exporting market. If the U.S. were to be declared positive to ASS, the, the export market will be closed immediately. And currently, roughly over 20% of the U.S. production goes to the export market. So this surplus or excess of meat will have to be absorbed by the local market, which will likely drive the, the prices down. And it will mean that some producers will start to, some or if not all, will start to lose money from the production. Also, like I explained before, there is no cure or vaccine against ASF. So a producer that detects ASF in its farm will have to implement a stamping out or euthanasia of all the animals in the premises. Uh, neighboring farms will also be affected. They, they will not be able to move pigs between farms or packing plants. So if you're a South farmer, you need to move your piglets to a nursery or a finisher or from the finisher to a slaughter plant, that cannot happen. The, until the quarantine is not lifted in the area, your animals have to sit in the farm. Also, if you are within a certain area of the initial outbreak, you may also have to stamp out and euthanize your animals. That happened to us also. We had to euthanize a farm that did not have ASF, but it was in a quarantine area, and due to the regulations, we had to also sacrifice our animals. Interesting. Thank you. So with your experience um, that you've had with ASF, what should pork producers and the general public do to protect the U.S. swine herd and keep it out of the U.S.? There's a lot to do. Uh, I believe most of it is being done right now. There's a lot of awareness. There's a lot of bulletins, uh, information uh, provided to the farmers, to the veterinarians um, about the importance of this virus. What I will say is strict biosecurity in their farms will be the big one, Limited, limit the access to foreign visitors. I will also prohibit the entry of pork meat and pork derivatives to the farm. I see here most people bring their food to the farm. In Russia, we would provide lunch to the, to the workers. And it wasn't because of ASF. It was just because part of the benefits of working in, a, in, in our operations is that we provided lunch. But then it fell right into the biosecurity uh, protocol that you're not allowing a, a worker to bring meat, especially if it's pork meat. You don't know where did he get it from. You don't know if it's infected. You don't know what he will do with the leftovers of that. So that, that for me, 
I'm not saying the pork here is contaminated, but you do not want to take that risk. Uh, pork producers and workers should also check the available information in all the websites such as National Pork Board, USDA, Secure Pork Supply, National Pork Farmer, ASB. They all have uh, useful information about ASF prevention and detection. The, the most important risks at this point are at the border. Uh, the general public needs to stop bringing meat products into the country. They could potentially be infected with ASF, especially the people that are coming from countries that are positive to ASF, like uh, China, Vietnam. I, I will say Russia is a lower risk because even though it is a positive country, they have a better control of the ASF nowadays than other countries like China and Vietnam. That I would put those in the high priority. Um, also, an illegal importation of meat products is a very high risk. Recently, a big shipment of imported processed products was smuggled into the U.S., but fortunately, the Border Patrol officers were able to intercept it. So this, imagine how many of those are sneaking through cracks and making their way into the country, and we don't know whether it's infected or not. Um, lastly, we have to be vigilant about the importation of feedstock that could be contaminated. This coming uh, about the survivability of the virus that can persist in the different raw materials. So it's important to be aware of that. And Canada just announced that they will stop the import of, of certain feed ingredients originating from infected countries. So they just announced that last week and the list is not officially out of what uh, which raw materials will be prohibited, but it is an important step and it's based on science and they, they've proven that, that certain raw materials actually uh, facilitate the survivability of the virus. So it is an important step. Thank you for pointing all of those out. Um, not only feed, as we do have um, research, like you mentioned, that's recently come out that shows us that contaminated feed can be a carrier of ASF. But thank you also for reminding us about meat products that even though meat is, is safe for us to eat and we cannot get African swine fever, if garbage feeding is practiced in an area, that could be a way it could get into the wild boar population and potentially into the domestic population. So thank you for pointing that out, Gustavo. No problem. Um, like Gustavo mentioned, National Pork Board, USDA, and Secure Pork Supply are great resources, and I'm going to share their website addresses with you. National Pork Board, you can find foreign animal disease information, including African swine fever, at www.pork.org backslash FAD. And then Secure Pork Supplies website is www.securepork.org. And on that website, you can find information on how to create your farm-specific Secure Pork Supply plan that in the event we were to experience a foreign animal disease, including African swine fever, and you may potentially be a negative site, but your site's in a control area by having a secure pork supply plan will help increase your farm's chance of obtaining a movement permit. And then USDA's um, website where you can find information on foreign animal diseases, including African swine fever, is at www.aphis, spelt A-P-H-I-S, .usda.gov. 
and search for African swine fever if you don't see the link on the home page. With that, this wraps up our podcast for today. Now, thank you for the invitation, Sarah. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for giving the time to talk about African swine fever today. Thank you to those of you listening to the University of Minnesota Swine Extension Podcast. This has been Sarah Sheik, Swine Extension Educator, along with Gustavo Lopez, sharing his experience with African swine fever. To further connect with the University of Minnesota Swine Extension, please visit the swine-specific web pages on the University of Minnesota Extension website at www.extension.umn.edu backslash swine. On the swine pages, you will find connections to other podcasts, our blog, as well as our Facebook page. To learn about research being done by our swine faculty in veterinary medicine, please visit their Swine in Minnesota blog at www.umnswinenews.com.